Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are, and you should know what time it is. This is Tyler Sheff, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, we're going to talk this time about pivots and doing things differently, looking at 2022, the rest of 2022, and your future as a change of pace. Because let's be honest, if things aren't perfect, the only way to change that situation is to make some radical changes and start looking at alternative methods, right? Everything seems to be in a tizzy right now. I was reading the Wall Street Journal this morning. It's what I do. I like to read, I guess I'll call logical information, but I guess I really can't even say that about the Wall Street Journal. I don't necessarily agree with everything they put in print, but overall, I, I do like reading the journal. I've been a subscriber now for a couple of years. Here's what it is. I was reading an article about, basically said, <laughs> uh, the, the president has come out and said, I I just don't know what, we, we're not going to be able to change the damn thing. <laughs> We're not going to be able to fix inflation. We're not going to be able to drop fuel prices as quick as y'all would want. Basically, in a nutshell, summing it up, it's like, we're the government. We tried to help, and we don't know what the hell we're doing. So we'll get back to you later on that. You know, Next question. Well, guys, <laughs> I don't care what you're invested in. That would make anybody a little bit uneasy, wouldn't you think? Well, for me, it got me thinking. And one of the things that has helped Jill and I maintain our quality of life through all these years. And by the way, yesterday was our anniversary, 16 years we've been together, 14 of those we've been married. So shout out to my lovely wife for 14 years, been together 16 years. And we were having a great conversation at dinner last night and it was about how, you know, where we were when we got together. I was broke. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I got myself in, I just, I was just dumb back then. I did some things that you would think were smart from a difference, from a distance, but it wasn't because I was really that smart. It's just that my, what she calls the Gordon, the golden horseshoe. I just happened to fate shined, you know, pleasantly on me. What do I mean by that? Well, I invested my way through the housing crash. Uh, so it didn't really have much of an impact on me, but part of the reason the housing, the housing market or the housing market crash and the economic crisis of 2008, which by the way, I married Jill and crashed the housing market crashed in the same year. So I wonder if the, what, if the relationship was so freaking powerful, we just crushed the world financial system. Maybe, maybe that's a reach. I don't know. Anyway, you know, all hell went broke loose. But we were, I was investing in real estate. Joe was investing in real estate way back then. So we didn't take a bath because we didn't do things like take stripper loans and what I call, or they call them liar loans, where it's like, I swear to God, I make 200 grand a year, you know, in my dreams sometimes, right? So when you start looking at the things that have happened in the past, you start to see trends. And I think one of the reasons I, well, I don't think I know one of the reasons that we did, we did find during the the last recession, the last financial crisis. And once again, we're not worried about everything that's going on. And I've had people reach out to me via email. They're like, you must be smoking pot in Key West or something because nobody can be that relaxed because everything is an absolute dumpster fire. You know, I read those emails. I laugh. I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't do drugs. I mean, I barely even drink. So I've taken steps to protect ourselves, to insulate ourselves from the constantly changing world around us. Here's the thing. You can't change what's happening in, you know, all around the world. You can't change what's going on in Ukraine. You can't change what's going on on Wall Street. You can't change what's going on in Washington or 
Portland, Oregon, or anywhere. And sometimes you can't even change the situation that's going on next door. But you can change what goes on in your world over and focus on the things that you have control over. What does that mean? Well, that means focusing on several different streams of income. And I know for a lot of you, that's tough. You know, you got a full-time job, you're busy, you got kids, you spouse, whatever. Maybe you're, you like to travel and you're just trying to have a good life before COVID kills you or cancer or God knows what else is, you know, chasing you around like the Grim Reaper, trying to make things more challenging on you. These are all things that tend to distract us from what's important. And from what's important is building ourselves an insurance policy. I don't mean going down to the local uh, state farm office and buying insurance. What I'm talking about is multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income. I want to say it again for emphasis. That means if you got a job, cool. If you have a job, then you should be doing something with your money or figuring out a way to earn even a little bit of money while you're sleeping. And for some people that's investing in some things like stocks and crypto and Bitcoin. And I'm not necessarily talking about this from an investing standpoint. Like I'm not talking about this as an, as a passive thing, but get involved in what other people are doing around you when what they're doing makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, you know, I say question everything, ask yourself, ask them, what is, what's, how, how does this work? And down here in Key West, you know, you get a different perspective of life being in Key West. And that's not just because people are running around Wall Street drunk and half naked. It's because down here, this is an entrepreneur's paradise. People come down to Key West and it's true. People show up here with a guitar over their shoulder to play music and wind up becoming multimillionaires doing, a, I don't know, art or somewhere in, in town. They open up a gallery. Next thing you know, they're a famous artist and they've never been an artist. Uh, a good example of that is my friend Mark Barato. Now, if you really want a good podcast about Key West, go to the Backyards of Key West podcast. It's on all the different podcast players. Now, Mark is a Mark is a marketer by trade. He had a marketing agency up in New York City, and him and his wife decided that they were tired of New York City, big shocker there, and decided to move uh, to Key West, you know, and live the dream. Well, the problem is. He got here, and he was like, "Well, you know, people didn't have the same budget that the big." big Apple people do as far as marketing. So he had to kind of reinvent himself. So he took the tools that he had, and this is not a podcast about, about Mark. It's just an example. Cause I'm, I do want to get Mark on the show one of these days because his story is pretty inspiring, but it, he doesn't, he's not an artist by, by any means, but he, he has an eye for what makes people, what people enjoy. And that's a lot of comes that that comes from what he enjoys. So he's decided that he likes going to open houses. Like when people have the houses in Key West are cool. Very eclectic. Uh, sometimes you look at the front yard and go, oh, God, a homeless person lives there. And you walk in the backyard, and it's this unbelievable tropical paradise. Well, as a hobby, he was going to garage sales and yard sales and open houses and just meeting people because he's that guy who likes to get out and meet people and talk to people. And he decided that the backyards are something that most people can't see, and he'd like to capture them and turn them into art. So what he does is he takes a camera, and he takes a photograph, and, by, and understand it. Mark is not a professional photographer. He has never gone to school or had any formal degree or any training like that to be a photographer, he just grabbed a camera, started taking pictures and started fiddling around with his computer. And then he has this way of doing it that's proprietary that he makes them look really, really cool. And you can just go to backyardsofkeywest.com, I think is his website, and take a look at what I'm talking about. And now he sells these things shockingly reasonably priced. I mean, if you look at galleries in Key West, you walk in there like $30,000 paintings, but not at his gallery. His gallery is like 50 bucks to I don't know, maybe a thousand tops. And I love his artwork. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous, his artwork. 
and he sells these things and he goes to the craft fairs and whatnot and the farmer's markets and, and he sells the stuff online and the cruise ships come in and all the people buy and whatnot. My point is he's created cash flow out of nothing. Think of a pizza joint. What's in a pizza joint? A pizza restaurant basically is a pizza oven, a counter in which to make said pizza. Maybe if it's an eat in pizza joint, a bunch of tables and some, you know, uh, red and white checkered tablecloths, somebody to take the order, somebody in the kitchen sweating their ass off working with the oven and somebody else doing the prep work, cutting the pepperoni, grating the cheese, making the dough, whatever it is they do. I don't know. I've never owned a pizza joint, but let's be honest. It's a simple situation, right? And the variances in pizza really come up to the creativity of the owner. Some pizza is like cardboard. Hello, Domino's. And other pizza is really good. I'm from Buffalo, New York originally. So for me, pizza is a, is a religion. If you're from Buffalo, you we, we, we have degree. I think there's got to be a degree program if you're from Buffalo about pizza because we are really particular about our pizza. And by the way, shout out to Queen's Pizza in Tarpon Springs, Florida. And shame on you for making me fat. Now I had to lose all that weight. Thank God I lost all that weight. That's because I moved out of Tarpon Springs, moved to Key West, stopped eating Queen's Pizza, and I'm not a fat ass anymore. But that's a story for another day. My point is this. Small business is relatively simple to get involved in. Here's what I mean. Here's another example. You could go start a laundromat. And that's actually something that Jill and I are entertaining, bringing into our stream of income. So let's say you go out, and if you guys have ever played Cashflow 101, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You go out and you buy a pizza joint, and you think, well, I don't have any money for a pizza joint. Well, you'd be surprised. You go to equipment, equipment companies, they will lease you a pizza oven. What you need to do is figure out a way to make a pizza. And let's be honest, guys, it's, it starts with a round pan. And you figure out how to make dough. Um, hello, YouTube. And you put some cheese on it that you probably buy from someone else and some sauce that you buy from someone else and add some schmutz to it. And if you're curious about how to do that, go to your kitchen. If you have any spices in your or herbs or anything in your kitchen, put that crap in your sauce until it doesn't suck. Feed it to your neighbor. And if your neighbor still talks to you the next day, well, you might have a winning recipe. It's that simple. That's the pizza business in a, in a, in a box. Pardon the pun. And then you do a little bit of marketing. I don't know, flyers on cars have somebody cute stand on the road and twirl a sign or someone stupid and ugly spin a sign. Bottom line is get people to know that you sell pizza in your town. And you know what? People get sick and tired of the same pizza every day. And it's, that's why in every town in America, there's usually more than one pizza joint. And if there's not more than one pizza joint, then you live in a small town. But realistically, there's always more than one pizza joint in town, which means there's plenty of room for competition as people are going and coming and going every day. Look at laundromats. In your town, I bet you, you probably have, if you're in a small town, you probably have two laundromats, maybe three, maybe four. If you're in Chicago, you probably have 50,000. Who knows? But let's be honest. How hard is it to run, to, to do a laundromat? Oh, Tyler, well, you got to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and you got to buy a building and you got to buy equipment. You got to do all this. That's false, false, eh, wrong, false. What you do is you buy problems. So if you don't have the money for a pizza oven, you find a pizza company, a pizza store that already bought the oven. The owner can't make the payments on the oven. Now, back when it was a good idea to have a pizza joint, he had great credit. And now, you know, he decided he wanted to be lazy and maybe ate too much pizza and got a bellyache and took a nap and then the business went to hell. But the bottom line is the pizza joint's already up. The pizza oven's in the building. And I know what you're going to say, but, but Tyler, his pizza sucks and everybody knows it. Great. So now you can name it, instead of it being Jimmy's Pizza, you can name it Tommy's Pizza or Susie's Pizza. And when people come in and go, yep, same pizza oven, brand new recipe, brand new owners. That's called marketing. You solve that problem with a little bit of marketing. And you could walk into a pizza joint for free. 
Yes, for free. Because here's the deal. Pizza guy, Timmy the pizza guy, he's probably not going to want to take that big old honk and Hobart oven out of that building because, frankly, he doesn't know how the hell they got it through the door. You ever seen a pizza oven? <laughs> it doesn't fit through your average front door. Usually got to take things apart, buildings, ovens, whatever, to get it through the door. They don't weigh 50 pounds, guys. You're not going to call Cousin Eddie over there to help you squeeze this bugger through the door. And then what are you going to do with it when you get it outside to your Prius? You got to throw it on the roof and try to take it home? No, because your spouse is going to be like, dude, we are not having a pizza oven in our apartment or garage or whatever. And even if they allowed you to do that, what the hell are you going to do with it? Just make pizza until you die of cholesterol or a heart attack? That doesn't make sense. So the equipment usually winds up getting abandoned at the building. And the new, the landlord, not the new landlord, but the landlord that owns the space and then leases it to the guy that's now not paying his rent because he ate too much pizza. He wants to either get the pizza oven out of there or release the, release the building to someone who can pay the damn rent. So that guy's got what you call good old fashioned motivation. So you get pizza, pizza shop landlord on the phone and you say, Hey, pizza shop landlord, I'm a pizza guy. And you think, but I'm not a pizza guy, Tyler. Well, that's remember we talked about you go in the kitchen, you figure out how to be a pizza guy and you throw sauce and stuff together. And then suddenly, you know, you get it right. And then every little kid in the neighborhood shows up like, dude, I hear you got free pizza. And then next thing you know, all the fat kids show up and now you got to go to find their parents and tell them, oh my God, I can't afford to feed your kid anymore. You got to get them away from my front door. And I, you know, I was that fat kid. That's how I can say that. But anyway, you've created this product, pizza. Everybody loves pizza. It's not hard. And now you're the pizza guy, right? I didn't know how to buy an asset on day one. I didn't know how to buy an apartment building or a duplex or a single family house or anything, but I figured it out. And then I learned how to make cash flow. And then I learned how not to go punch a clock anymore working for the federal government. And I learned to live off cash flow. And the next thing you know, someone's like, dude, you're the cash flow guy. I'm like, you're right. I am. Let's put a dot com behind that and call it done. And we did. Now we have a business. Interesting how that works. Laundromats. Same thing as pizza shops. Guy rents a space, puts a bunch of laundry machines in there. They'll finance anybody for laundry machines. You go get the, the you find the landlord that's like, ah, geez. You can start with laundromats that are for sale because those people are just trying to get the owner of the laundromats trying to get his nickel out of there before he has to go hide in hiding. He doesn't know what to do with 57 washing machines and dryers that he's got a, a loan on. He probably financed it in his LLC. So there's no liability for him. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Or maybe he's just throwing in the towel and saying, I don't care about my credit. Come take it. Right? He wants to just get out of there. He's going to throw it on the market for a couple hundred thousand dollars, hoping some idiot will show up with a blank check and a 401k and make it happen. But realizes later that the idiot's not ever going to show up because they don't have any books because maybe the guy hasn't paid taxes in a while because he's a moron. And he doesn't have a CPA. Cool. So who do you talk to? The business owner? Or the landlord. And the answer in this case, guy, is the same as the pizza shop. Don't worry about the pizza shop guy. He'll go away. And the same with the laundry shop, laundry, laundry guy. You go to the landlord that has a problem. And you say, hey, laundromat landlord guy, I see that you've got a, a laundromat that smells like, I don't know, urine. And I would like to take over that lease. How much are you charging that lessee? And he'll give you a number. And whatever the number is, you're not going to be happy with because you're going to do some due diligence. You're going to scour YouTube and figure out how much you should pay for a laundromat rental space. You're going to say, but Tyler, what about the equipment? The equipment doesn't belong to the landlord, so he can't rent it or sell it to you, can he? Well, maybe he can, but should he? Nah. So then why offer to pay for it? 
Say, don't worry, Mr. Landlord, I'll take care of that old decrepit or brand new equipment. We'll, we'll put it to good use and I'll be an anchor tenant for your plaza because usually these are not standalone buildings. You want to be, don't want to be in a standalone building, by the way, when you do a pizza shop or a, this type of a service business or a cash business, you want to be mixed in with other businesses in the same shopping center. Why? Well, because then you guys are all sharing in the bills and things become a lot easier. If you're on a, what they call a triple net lease, where you're responsible for the roof and some of the infrastructure, maybe the air conditioning, whatever the parking lot, the bushes, then you don't want to do that all by yourself. You want to bring some friends along for a good time. You want Winn-Dixie or Publix or Kroger's picking up the majority of the bill for that roof or that parking lot. Um, maybe when a tree falls through the building, you don't want to have to share all that, that expense. Let's share it with our friends because sharing is caring, right? So instead, put yourself in some sort of a multi-suite situation and make it happen. At the end of the day, guys, it's two plus two equals four. It's income minus expenses equals cash flow. That's what we're doing here with the fund. You know, Mike and I have got together and we're buying assets. Assets bring home income. Those assets, the ownership of them have expenses. And what's left is the cash flow. And simply put, asset, we acquire assets. In our case, it's generally smaller multifamily properties, two to, I don't say, I'll say 30 doors in the state of Florida primarily in Key West, but we are also expanding throughout the rest of the state, as you guys have heard in other episodes. Why is that? Well, because we get cash flow. We understand tenants and how it works. Real simple. Income comes in the door. We pay the bills. We have money left over. Of that money left over, our investors get 70% of that money. Mike and I split 30%, 15-15, and lickety-splitty, we are done. And that's how it goes, guys. So if you want to raise money for these businesses, you don't have enough money, whatever, then go out and tell you, talk to your friends. Maybe you want to meet with a buddy and do it together. Maybe your aunt or uncle or cousin or best friend or somebody has got money sitting in their 401k doing nothing, a self-directed IRA. Maybe you go to self-directed IRA administrators in your area when they do education and you join them in the meeting because if you have a business idea, especially one that's pretty mainstream that people can get behind, like a pizza shop or a coin laundry or something like that, or maybe a franchise brand, and you have done your research, and guys, you can do most of your research on YouTube. Yes, there's some bad information on there, but there's also a lot of good information on there. Then you can self-teach yourself how to make this happen and then therefore create this extra stream of income. That's what the folks do down here in Key West. My buddy Rob, you've had Rob on, you've heard Rob before come on the podcast. We were talking yesterday. He's that guy, as is his wife. They came to Key West. Here's the problem. They came from Nashville, Tennessee, and all they, they, although they were very successful in Tennessee, coming to Key West does change, tend to change your living situation, which means Nashville, Tennessee rents back then were, let's say, 800 bucks a month. You come to Key West, it's $2,000 a month. So if you're coming down here with that Nashville, Tennessee paycheck, it's going to hurt a little bit when you show up in Key West. Ask me how I know. Remember, I was retired in everywhere else rents. Until I come to Key West and it's like, oh, goody, I better go ahead and sell some more real estate because my rent just went up by a lot. I didn't pay rent because I, I owned all my stuff free and clear, didn't have any debt. So for me, that means I have an extra three grand coming out the door. So the first thing I did was let's go get us another cash flowing asset, business, real estate, whatever, to start paying that rent for me because I don't like paying rent. I don't enjoy the process. So I'd rather some tenants do it for me. And in this case, everybody that Let's say you buy a pizza joint, then everybody comes in and buys that large with extra cheese and mushroom and pepperoni and anchovies. I know you guys like anchovies, dude, really? 
No, I don't like anchovies either. I think they taste like poop, but that's a whole other story. But every time somebody buys a pizza, you get a nugget out of that. You got to pay your staff. You got to pay your electric bill and water bill. But guys, it's pizza. It's not hard. Laundromat, car wash, heck, ice machine. You know, you can buy one of them ice machines. And I've noticed this. I'll leave you with this parting thought. You can go out and buy an ice machine. The cost on an ice machine, I'm talking about one of these things you drive up. It's like Mr. Icy. There's all painted red with awnings and stuff. And you pull up in your cooler and you stand in line and you put your cooler under the thing and you put your credit card in and dumps the ice out of the flodgy and then you throw it in the back of your car and you, you head home, right? Same thing, you order a bag and it drops in the chute and it's all, it's interesting. And you can get these, these are all over the place. They're all over America. Well, up in Cedar Key, right, my cabin, that's a necessity because up until now, now I have an ice machine at the property, but I didn't have one. I'm getting one anyway. It's on order. But um, I didn't have an ice machine. So for me, I'm out in the woods, guys. So if I if I wind up taking on an animal, hog or deer, whatever, I got go to go get ice for the cooler for the, the meat to keep it cool. It's a 45-minute trip each way to go to the ice machine. Literally, it's like an hour-and-a-half round trip to go get ice, and that's if they have it. Because up there in rural America, they don't really do a good job of keeping up with things. And sometimes they forget, you know, they don't pay the water bill and the damn water's off. So there's no ice or they run out of bags because I don't know, maybe the guy's doing whatever he's doing. He's out fishing and he doesn't think about stocking the bags or he hasn't invested in the technology or the infrastructure to have somebody in place to help him with this process. Bottom line is this is a not a rocket science business. In fact, the, the ice machine companies, in a lot of cases, will even finance the damn machine for you. So all you got to do is go find a place to put it. They'll send somebody out to go set it up for you on site, plug in the water, plug in the electricity, pull the permit, the whole nine yards, and boom, you're in business. These are not difficult things to accomplish, guys. These are very simple. Again, you want to learn more about ice machines? Tyler's not an expert, but YouTube is. All kinds of opportunities out there. Go to the distributor's websites. They have a vested interest in making sure that you buy an ice machine. So they will educate you on all the features and benefits of owning an ice machine for free. They will walk you through everything. They will answer all the questions. It's like having your own ice machine guru without the bill. That's interesting. I decided a week ago that I wanted to go learn about uh, laundromats because that's, as I said, Jill and I wanted another stream of income, something different coming in, just something we like extra different things. We've got gold and silver and notes and rental property and all kinds of fun. We all kinds of stuff, ways we make our money. We've got short-term rentals, long-term rentals. We like doing different things. So we've got different type of industry. So when COVID hit, it didn't really impact us that much. We're like, yeah, we're just going to stay away from people. It's like, well, we like each other better than everybody else. That wasn't a big, big loss. And we drove on. We didn't go broke. We didn't panic. We didn't lose our jobs. We didn't even have jobs. And that's because we have multiple streams of income. Guys, this is not hard. You guys can get these multiple streams of income. It just takes thinking outside of the box. That begins with keeping it ridiculously simple. Ice, pizza. Don't try to figure out NFTs if you're brand new to being an entrepreneur. Just go figure out how to buy a pizza joint that's in trouble. Go solve a problem. Find a, a laundromat that looks like crap and is just a mess and go figure out who owns that building, who the, is making the decision making on the lease, and go get you some of that. Guys, 2022 doesn't have to be rocket science, doesn't have to be hard. You can pull this off. You can get that extra stream of income. Don't have enough in your retirement plan? Start making changes. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. 
Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.